Well, guys, today we've got one of our brothers in Christ here that's a regular part of Reload um, attending, but also speaking here. And I was thinking the other day that there's nothing I wouldn't do for Randy, and I know there's nothing he wouldn't do for me. So we just decided we'll just keep doing nothing for each other. What do you think about that? But uh, seriously speaking here, Randy is one of my just really dear friends, man. He just is an encourager. Um, you know, just that scripture is iron sharpens iron, so sharpens the counts of a friend. Um, he's a friend that sharpens me. Um, I would describe him as a spiritual energizer bunny. And uh, if you give a warm welcome to Randy, Randy, would you come on up? I'm not even sure what that was. <laughs> I really don't. It's kind of messed me up a little bit. <laughs> like, where do I stand with you, bro? I don't even know. I know I stand short with you. I just don't know about that. I don't know where to start. I really do, but I don't because God is just so good. How many have ever just got up in the morning, one, just one day, maybe the week out of the seven, you're like, God, this is amazing. Anybody? I got one woot. The rest of you. I know you got kids. You're like, isn't that amazing, man? What's amazing is I got some sleep finally. Um, but it's, it's, let me just give it a skinny real quick. We have a golf finding coming up, and it's going to be June 3rd. It's one month, actually almost one month from today. And, and uh, it's on a Monday, and it's our fundraiser. It's our biggest fundraiser that we have. And if you're interested in putting a team in, you want to come out, it's going to be at the Pines. It's a wonderful day. Listen, I'll treat you like a king, I promise. And I'll treat your women like queens. But we do something different at our golf outing. We don't just have a box lunch. We kind of eat all day. No, I'm serious. Like, I'm not kidding you. And then the banquet is extreme. It's like we just ate all day, and then you're going to get really filled at the banquet. And if you're interested, we have, we have some of the cards in the back. Chuck's in the back at table 16. We have cards that we'd really love to get. Uh, the teams are filling up quick. I can get about 30, 31 teams, and that's about it for them. And if you are a business here today and you really are like, you know what, we want to become a partner of and we can give this and give that, we can do a sponsorship, please, please help us and stop by. So with that, I want to say this. This is what we do. I travel. I just got back from Chester, PA. Chester, PA. Come on, brother. You know, Chester, Chester crazy, okay? I'm just saying now I know where you get that. I'm just saying Chester, PA. It's not Westchester, PA. That's why I went to my, my master's program was in Westchester, Pennsylvania after being at University of Valley Forge and finishing my, my educational degree with my minor in biblical studies. And then I went for my master in education in Westchester. But Chester's kind of different. Chester's like a place almost, almost like uh, what they call Kensington, Philadelphia. Kensington, Philadelphia, let me tell you something, guys. I know we go to cities and stuff, but this one city you don't want to go to. It's crazy. Like I'm preaching one time behind a triple X porn shop. Let me say it again because I know it's early in the morning. <laughs> I'm preaching behind a triple X porn shop. And they called it the garden. They have a little tiny garden, like a little patch of greenery. And, and they, they have all their vegetables. And the, and the city guards it. It's, the church is called The Rock. It's a rock church. It was a former boxer. Listen, this is where Rocky Balboa ran when he trained in the movies. Oh, Rocky. Underneath the viaducts. And you see the trains going like, I'm speaking. All of a sudden, it's like trains are going over top. Firemen are coming around, police department, you pe people laying in the streets with heroin, needles sticking out, foaming at the mouth, they're gone. Like, there's ambulance coming, it's happening all over the place, you hear the trucks, this is kind of the cities that I'm going to, this is cities God's called us to. I was so impressed by Mike Benson in, in, in Pakistan, I was like, man, if I can go to Pakistan, but it's a whole different beast. 
It's a whole different beast. We're not leading 16,000 people to Jesus. If we lead 16, it's a miracle that week in the city. It's a whole different beast. So I'm in Chester, Pennsylvania. Let me just give you this real quick because I have a really cool little Sunday sermon that I want to give you. And I want to uplift you today because how many of you have really good friends, like friends? No, friends, and I mean so close that it's like sticks closer than a brother. Like you're, they're closer than your own brothers. You know what I'm saying? It's a brother of another mother. You know, you got straight up. I'm preaching in, in Chester. The bands just got done. I travel with these bands. And the reason we have the golf on is because I take every city, I take about $4,500 to $5,000 out of my budget. And I go to cities. I have seven cities a year. So you know how much that costs. It can't come out of my regular travel as an evangelist. So I do the golf. I need to do that. And I bless the pastor and his wife with a check at the very end. But we pay for food. We pay for people coming in to do haircuts. And we help that out. We do inflatables. And they have clothing. They have Red Cross and everything. So I travel with these bands. And two bands play. I preach. Two bands play. I preach. There's a cross up front. People nail stuff to the cross. We're doing salvation, man. I'm going right at it. Like the bands are 35 minutes apiece. I'm 10. Something's wrong here. But the people love the music and music pulls, and then we just start preaching. And you, I'm telling you, like ants, you watch people come across the street, they're coming. And there was this one guy laying on the bench in Chester, PA, man. He was gone. Like he was so drunk. He had bags all over the place on the ground. He's laying on this bench. He was gone. And by the time the band's finished up, I start preaching. I start talking about the blood of Jesus and the power of Jesus to raise the dead. And all of a sudden, this guy, his hand goes up. Like, I'm just telling you guys, this is like freaky stuff, okay? So he's on the bench over here. Like, they, they, park, they do it in parks. They do it on the, in parking lots. They, they do all the ministry like that. And all of a sudden, this guy's hand goes up. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, no, something about to happen. Because I know what's going to happen. Listen, Pastor Dwayne said it Sunday. If you missed it, you missed a great message. If when you believe in your heart of who you are in Christ and you start to speak it, lives are changed. That was so weak in the morning. Amen. Listen, man, that's the kind that gets you going in the morning. That's better than coffee right now, and coffee's good. I'm just saying. So when you begin to speak it, you watch it, and listen, the miracles that start to happen. The guy's hand went up, then his head came up, his shoulders came up. He stands up, and in the middle of me speaking, woo! I'm like, oh, snap, something about to happen. He's oh, man, where am I? Where am I, man? I've been drunk for five days, but I am a sound mind. I have got my sound mind, and God's speaking to me right now. That's what happens in the city when you start to preach the word of God. And once that happens, you see mothers bringing their kids and fathers running and vagabonds and derelicts and rejects of culture. Come on, somebody. See, we don't always experience that, man. We go to Costco, and we're like, God bless you. Somebody's like, oh, thank you. You know what I'm saying? So it's just crazy. But what God does, the brother, the friend that sticks closer than a brother, the friend of Jesus that comes when you don't know what to say when someone's dying of cancer. I'll tell you, brothers, brothers was yesterday morning with Mike and Robin Cooley going into heart surgery for his bypass. Not bypass, it was his um, pacemaker. But man, the people that showed up. That's brothers. When Brad was going through his heart, uh, open heart surgery, Brad back here just waved a hand. And man, who showed up was brothers early in the morning. My wife, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the hospital. It's like, I got up about 4.35 o'clock to go up and see him. My wife's like, but it's your off day. What are you doing? I said, man, I'm going to see my brother Mike. Brothers, brothers, it's happened. Listen, Proverbs says this, Proverbs 18.24. A man may have 
a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I just guard myself. I don't know about you, but I guard myself of how many friends that I say I have. Because when the rubber hits the road and the trouble comes and time, come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they, they'll be your brother for a football game, but when stuff starts to happen, it's like, mm, I don't know if I got time. I'm, you know, and that's okay because that's called life. But when choosing a friend, what are some of the characteristics you're looking for? And I've got three things I'll get to in a second, but I, I just love laughing. I don't know how many of you like to laugh. I, life is too short. I laugh a lot. Yeah, I don't care if you do. I'm just saying. But it's funny because I'm, I'm up here and you're all out there. I see all your faces. You see one. And that's funny enough. I'm just saying I'm looking at you and inside I'm dying. I am cracking up by the expression at seven something in the morning. I'm just saying I love to laugh. So I surround myself with people that love to laugh and people that make me laugh. People that, not just stupid people. I'm talking about, I really have some great friends that are very, very, very intelligent. And I want to be around them because I want to learn. But they're funny. They're funny. And I love being around people who laugh. But relatable, honest people. I love being around honest people. I don't, re I don't like jerks anymore. I had this one kid. How many have ever had a jerk in your life? You called him friend. No, be honest. Some of you are like, he's sitting right here. I can't talk. <laughs> I was in sixth grade. Sixth grade, man. You know, and, and when you're in sixth grade, a lot of stuff's starting to happen. You know, you're starting to, you're still talking. Hey, you know, it's happening, okay? And so I'm in sixth grade, and this kid named Larry Keita was a good friend of mine. Good friend of mine. Not a great friend, but a good friend, I thought. And um, we were in class one day, and Larry was always the guy that got in trouble. How many of you have a friend like that? He's always getting in trouble, and then what happens is it's contagious. Because once you hang with him, you're getting in trouble. And then whoop, when the popo shows up, you're trying to blame him, and it's like, where the heck's Larry? And you're stuck by yourself. Okay. So Larry, Larry is looking across the room, and he says to me, hey, man, that kid on the corner over there wants to fight you. And I was like, what kid? And he goes, look, right on the corner, in front row, second one in. We're like, we're clearing this left side, kind of in the back, okay? You know, smart kids sit in the front, dumb kids sit in the back. I'm just saying it happens. Don't, I'm not stereotyping. I'm just saying it happens, So. We're sitting in the back, and it's math class, because I don't know about you, but math class for me was, you know what I'm saying, just straight up. So I'm sitting there in the back, and he said, look at him. I look at him, I look at him. And when I'm looking, all of a sudden I'm looking, the guy, looks, he just looks back, and he's like, yes, what? I'm sixth grade. I'm like, what? And I said, man, look at him. He goes, look, I told you, man, he's called you a jerk. And I said, he didn't say nothing. I didn't hear nothing. He called you a jerk. So after class, I want to settle it up. So after class, I got glasses. They were big glasses. How many people remember Back in the early days, man, you had glasses like that big. Like your face could see, but your eyes had a problem. You know what I'm saying? They were big, honking glasses. And I had these big glasses on, and I'm like, hey, John, hey, man, you make, a you make a fun of me, dude? And he's like, no, man, I got nothing with you. I said, yes, you do. And I didn't even get a chance. Ricky, I didn't get a chance. All of a sudden, poof, he hit me so hard, my glasses ended up on the teacher. Man, I had to go down to the office, started a fight, go down. Man, I'm like, Larry, I'm going to hurt you, okay? Because Larry got, come on now, how many have friends like that? So second, like a week later, I'm with Larry. I'm in the back, and he's like, man. He said, dude, that shiner's still. I said, yeah, man. I don't, I don't, he ain't look, he's looking at you again, man. Only this time, he's taunting you because he hurt you. I said, he is not looking at me. He, and I looked at him, mm. he's looking back like, mm. I was like, oh. He wasn't even looking at me. I think he was looking at two girls in front of us. But after class, I squared up. I'm like, man, what's wrong with you, dude? You're here. Hit me again. That was it. 
That was it, man. I learned from that time on, Larry is not somebody I want to spend my time with. I got to be frank with you. After sixth grade, I don't think I even had Larry in my life because I realized Larry was dangerous. Come on, friends. There's times where you have honesty, relationship, personal, a person of helps, guidance, faithful, someone who corrects you when you're wrong. See, we don't like that. That's why we have a hard time telling friends that we're watching things and looking at things that we shouldn't be because tell me how honest. Listen, I have a board of three guys, man, my best friends forever, forever. So we grew up all the way to Pittsburgh. We grew up together. One of them is a social media guy for Spectrum Health here. I don't know how God did that, but he put us together here in Michigan. And they asked me the tough questions. Where are you right now? What are you doing? Like tomorrow I leave for Jersey. I'm gone for five days. I'll be in the schools. I'll be in the inner city of Jersey. I'll be in a place called Egg Harbor Township, talking and preaching at a church, doing men's ministry. I get a chance to preach on Mother's Day. It's going to be cool. Nobody gives up Mother's Day. They're desperate. I'm just telling you. But I have a chance, and these guys will call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? Where are you at? And I'm like, man, Mike, I'm glad you called me, but, man, you woke me up. Okay, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I just want to know where you're at, what you're doing, what hotel are you at, who's around you. That's a friend. And I can't fudge it. I can't be like, well, listen, you know, hey, man, <laughs> and I got a woman in the room. Are you, are you listening to me? Because, see, we do this stuff where we say we're honest and we're not. We're not. So I have these four kind of friends that have my back. They guard me. They protect me. They, they're always with me, man. And, and they're always around me. So I'm going to give you three things to do. Number one is good friends exercise wisdom. Good friends exercise wisdom. Now, I don't know about you, but I like exercise. I got late there. I started getting a little bit of this stomach. And my wife's like, listen, get rid of the bonzette. In Italian, it means, listen, fat boy, start working out. And so my wife and I are on this workout regimen to just try to say she's a good friend because she helps me. She helps me focus. She helps me where I'm at in life. And she helps me get things straight. But listen, she also helps exercise wisdom. I love being around my wife. My wife is my friend. 33 years in November, she's a good friend. Besides, she makes the money so I can play. She works at the hospital. She works at pediatric ICU. She's right now studying for her doctorate of nursing. I got to call her Dr. Lori now. And it started this morning. See you, honey. No, see you, Dr. Lori. I said, oh, whatever. (laughs) The idea is not to disassociate yourself from friends you perceive to lack wisdom, but to observe over time their conduct. Have they learned from their experience that most ruin friendships and jeopardize your life, they are taking active steps to cultivate sound values in your life. People that have wisdom. And get the people that not everybody's really popular with. Like, I'm tired of everybody being the same. Like, seriously, in my circle with my guys, we all love to laugh. We crack each other up, but I'm the clown, okay? I'm with guys that are like social media guys. I'm with guys that are, one of my guys here is my best friend forever. Grew up since fifth grade, Gino. Gino's a hairstylist. Check that one out. I mean, he's got hair like a lion, okay? Everybody always says to me, you know, what happened? I'm like, I had a grandfather that was bald. 
on my mother's side, and it's, it happens. I don't care if you get four hymns. I don't care if you get Roman. I don't care if you start all this stuff and stupid. Listen, man, don't put a rug on it. Just let it go. Because in a stiff wind, you'd be looking stupid when it starts waving. I'm just saying. So I have friends around me that are not all ministers, but they minister. They're not all preachers, but they preach. And they're not all the people that are administrators, but they administrate life and they help me. What kind of friends are we hanging with? We got to have friends that, man, Albus exercise wisdom, man. So when they freeze you in a moment and you're about to go this way, they're like, you know what? That's not going to happen. I love my board because when we sit down in October, we have our board event for like five days. They say to me, what are you doing? Wait, let me look at the report. What's this right here? What's this item right here? They hold me accountable. Man, you need that, friends. See, it's not, I'm not preaching like, like or talking like a, 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 some kind of like, get out there, and you go out and storm. You already know this stuff. Come on, friends. We can't sit around and say we know God, and we're not doing active things for God. But I'm talking about friends. What kind of friends? I have friends that are still trapped by their friends. Come on. They're friends. I just can't get rid of them. I have a, a person in my life right now. That doesn't drink, doesn't drink. Well, he didn't drink. But since high school, he's had a friend. And the friend's never changed since high school. And he was on his way to a wedding rehearsal of my friend. So he was in the wedding. On the way to the wedding, he got sauced. And he got in a horrible car accident, almost took his life. He has a small daughter out of wedlock. Beautiful young daughter. But do you think those things sober him up? No. So the young man that I know has this friend, and this friend is influencing the man that I know. How dumb is that? No, I'm just going to say it. That's dumb. Because they call them, both call themselves Christians, and they both say that they're walking with Jesus, arm in arm, hand in hand, so one man sharpens another, one man encourages. Friends, I'm telling you, who you hang with, the association of your friends, do they make you better? Something to think about. When you start to leave those kind of friends at the post, and you pray for them, you love on them, but you can't hang with them, why? Because there's not wisdom there. There's a spirit of dumb-dumb that's there. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be uh, misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company. It's who you're hanging with. You know, they, they, there's old statements, show me your friends, I'll show you the future. It's true. It is so true. I remember when Tim, we were doing youth things and, and here in the ground floor, just encouraging our young people of who do you hang with? And it's like, man, I'm always in trouble. Well, I'm looking at friends. I'm looking at their friends. The reason why they're in trouble, the reason why parents go crazy is because they're trying to deassociate them from these wrong roots. And I understand what's happening in school with some of your young people. They're like, wow, that's my friend. But man, they can have bad friends. And bad friends corrupts good morals and good standards. Come on, somebody. Who are we hanging with? What are we doing? Number two is commendable friends inspire strong values. They inspire strong values. I, there was supposed to be a PowerPoint, but something must have happened. There's a Proverbs that says this. You are known by the friends you keep. This verse reinforces the same wisdom. Not only does this verse reinforce, uh, reinforce the proverb, but it's more important. It points out 
that just as true friendships bring out the best in you, bad friendships corrupt morals. They corrupt good morals. Before you find yourself, listen, when, when your wife starts to ask you, what are you doing? What, what happened here? And you're like, man, come on, it's just Johnny. He's a good guy. I'm trying to rescue Johnny. I had this young man in college. We were roommates for like two years, and somehow this guy lost his mind on a Christian college campus, started doing some things that were embarrassing. And I remember trying to rescue him. How many people have done that? How many people have, come on, let's be honest. How many people have ever tried to rescue your friends? Because that's the purpose. We're, it's in us. You know what I'm saying? We're godly men. We're trying to rescue. We want to bring another guy with us. We want to bring another person that's lost with us so that they jump on the same page. Not that you're pristine, not that you're bigger than or better than. I'm talking about the same page. And finally, my wife, it was, it was 1995, it was Promise Keepers. I don't know if some of you remember that. It was in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was a thing for pastors. It was a big pastor's conference. Every pastor from every walk came. There were the Jewish from the synagogues. There were the Catholic church. It was every church came. Every leader came. We're all there. And this one friend, I, I gave a call and I said, hey, so-and-so, it's been a long time. He's from Virginia. And I said, man, I'm coming down to Atlanta. He said, I'm going to be there. Let's meet up. It's been like 10 10, 15 years since we talked. I'm going to see you, man. I'm like, man, my wife's like, dude, don't bank on it. Don't bank. How many have godly women? How many have godly seven of you? So here's what it is. Maybe eight. You weren't really sure over there in the back, and you're my brother-in-law. You better put your hand up. Come on, John. I saw that. <laughs> and so what happens is we have our wives. Our wives are our navigators. Listen, we, sometimes we just don't trust these women. These women, my woman, she's my navigator besides Jesus. I'm telling you. She's like, don't talk it. Don't walk it. Don't go there. And I'm like, okay, baby. She goes, because I got your back. You know, we think sometimes we just get married. It's this whole sexual thing. It's this whole kids raising thing. And before you know it, man, we're stuck. And we're like with this woman. We're like, I don't even know her. I know my wife. And my wife knows me. And the cool thing she says to me, don't bank on him. You're going to get hurt. I know your heart. It's going to come out of your chest. You, he, you still call him friend? He's not a friend. He's a jerk. I'm like, oh, that's strong. So I go down to Atlanta. I'm with my guys, my church, my pastors, my good friends. And all of a sudden, I, I, I get this phone call. I call him. I'm like, man, I'm here. We didn't have a cell phone back in 90. It was a little pay phone right there. I'm just saying straight up, okay? Pop, 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 change. Boom. Hey, listen, I'm here. Hey, man, we're coming right down the road. Man, we're going to be there shortly. I waited two hours, guys. My heart broke. I went up to the altar that night, and I said, Father, I lay so-and-so on the altar, and I'm done. And never looked back. Never heard from him again. Never nothing. I've heard reports. God bless him. God help him. Because I can't. But see, we still hold on to that. Like we're the rescuer, not Jesus. And you have to learn sometimes. I love what Pastor said. So when you start to speak it, start to speak into people's lives. Like, you know what? I have to release you because I cannot change you. Only Jesus can. Man, when you start to get that, you know what? You become a good friend. Comparable friends, they inspire your values. The third thing is this. Where is it? Good friends make sacrifices for you. Okay? And I want to just almost finish with this because I know some of you need to run. Jesus is the greatest example of a friend, a good friend. In this statement, John 15, 13, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
See, a true reflection of what he considers as a good friendship is a sacrifice. They will sacrifice for you. I didn't say they'll die for you, but they will lay things down because they're a good friend. They will sacrifice things in their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. I remember when I was eight years old, um, I went to a camp. I was raised in the full-blooded Italian church. You're talking about a mess. They start speaking Italian, half the service, and then half an hour, and then the next. They preached for an hour back then. Half an hour Italian, half an hour English. I sat there sucking so many lifesavers, you'd have thought I'd been a diabetic by the time I was 10. And so what happened was I was sitting at this camp, and the man began to preach about the DNA of Jesus. And I received Christ into my life at eight years old. And he said, when you walk away from this camp, I want you to remember one thing. You are not your parents. You have their DNA. You look like him. You act like him. But man, now you got the blood of Jesus that changes everything, transforms everything. He's a friend that will stick close to the brother. He's the only friend in the midnight hour that will cry out to and, and be there for you. Jesus. Not knowing two weeks later, my dad would walk out of my life. God prepares you for the storm. Come on, somebody. And God does it through friends, and he does it through situations. And my friend Mike and Mike and Gino that are my board, we grew up together loving Jesus together. I remember my, my, one of my, my best friend in there was, was he didn't even know his mother uh, was a kind of person to cut hair and did some other things. And we would go to church, and he would say, can I go to church with you? We started going to church together since fifth grade. And it wasn't until after high school he got into drugs and all kinds of crazy stuff and, and all kinds. And I kept steady, and I kept with the man of Jesus. And I only dated two girls all through high school. And, and it wasn't until my junior and senior year. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? It was really trying to be faithful to God, faithful to God, faithful to God. I never went to your party until you came to my party, which was called church. And people would get drunk at my church. They'd get filled at my church. They would never be hungry anymore at my church because the Holy Spirit would show up and people that were hungry would, would be able to eat on the things of God and people that were thirsty would get full of the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. It was called Pentecost. It was called, it was called revival. And those things were happening in my life and I was inviting my friends because I really cared about them. And all of a sudden, man, it was my freshman year of college, my, actually my sophomore year of college. I came home for something and we were at this meeting, this outing, and there was my best friend sitting right there at a wet bar. And I went up and I was talking to him and, and it was actually my fifth year high school reunion. So forgive me, I, it was my fifth year high school reunion I came back for. And when I came back, he was sitting there and he was a mess. He was a slobbering, just mess, just weeping at the bar. He was drunk out of his mind. And I looked at him and I said, hey man, listen, what you need is Jesus. Man, I came back my fifth year just to tell you. I, I danced all the time. I was crazy. I was like a class clown. My man was like popular, football player, really successful, really big success right now, all kinds of money. And I said, man, it's not getting you anywhere. You're the same guy that was trapped through school. And I'm telling you, I've never changed. It's Jesus. And that day I led my friend to Jesus Christ. And I never looked back. And we never looked back. And from that moment on, would he always say this? Dude, when you were even in high school, you rescued people. When you were in high school, I had a friend named Ricky. Ricky had a brother that died of leukemia. We didn't even know what that was back then. 
And he's kneeling at the altar. And I went to a high school of 3,700 students. It was a small school below Pittsburgh, very small school, 3,700 students. And there were four floors. And he was by the locker and he was weeping. I went over and I said, Ricky, what's going on? We wrestled together. He says, man, my brother, I just found I just died of leukemia. I got on my knees that day in the school and I began to pray for my friend. I began to love him. It was a junior, junior in high school. We were juniors. I began to pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. We got done. I hugged him. I didn't see him until like five years later. I'm back in my home church, and the pastor asked me if I'd preach. I wasn't even preaching. I was like, man, I'll talk, but I ain't preaching, okay? So I get up to talk, and there's my friend Ricky, five years later, sitting there. And I'm like, oh, my, I, like, literally, I'm at the pulpit. Like, it'd be like with Dwayne Vanderclock, and I would stop the service and say, oh, my gosh, Ricky. That, I was like, I'm ADD, ADHD, baby. I got this, okay? And so I get off the stage, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, and I'm hugging. My parents are like, where are you going? Where are you going? Pastor's like, you can't leave the platform. You can't. I said, I'll be right back. My best friend's over here. So I, I went to see Ricky, and I hugged him. And I said, what are you doing in my church? He said, this ain't your church. This is my church. I said, how so? He said, I've been here for four years waiting for you to come home because I want to tell you what happened. When we were in juniors in high school and my brother died, you were the only one. You reached out. You prayed for me. Dude, in the hallways. In the busyness, you prayed for me. And I came to an epiphany our senior year, and I found Jesus, and you've been gone. I've been waiting for you to come home. How does that happen, friends? I ain't nobody. I'm just telling you, man. These friendships that we have, if we can get to the place where we know this and we can say this, so let me end with this. What are friendships without sacrifice? Friendships without sacrifice are friendships without commitments. Friendships without sacrifice are friendships without commitments. You need to make a commitment and quit being the kind of friend that doesn't care about anything else but you. When you learn to give away, I'll tell you what's happened in our ministry. I don't know how it's happened. I don't know what God's doing. I don't sometimes. I'm a sole proprietor evangelist. I don't go to big countries. I used to do that when I was a youth pastor. I took kids all over the world, all over the world. I've done so many things in different countries. It's amazing. Leading people to Jesus. And now I'm standing after being a youth pastor at Grand Rapids first for eight years, three and a half years at Rockford Res. I'm on the road now full time. Every other week I'm out. I'm a different state, different state. Every other week I'm inside somewhere doing something. I just got done with an interim youth pastor in Whitehall for seven months. And I finally got him a youth pastor. Thank you, Jesus. And I got done last week, and I passed the baton to the new youth pastor. I'm saying, God, I'm by myself right now. Like, like there's people giving so much money and everybody else. Why? There's just so many few that are just believing in what I'm doing. And God says, I believe in what you're doing. Oh, don't look at me and judge me, because we've all been there. Man, God, do you, hey, Fred, do you believe what I'm doing? You know what? I believe in what you're doing, but, you know, I don't have that kind of, you know, I can't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I ain't got the momo, you know? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Thanks. When I'm praying for you, I'm like, that's good. Just keep praying for me. Because my, my provider and my supplier, Jesus, keeps me energized, man. And when, when God, his spirit of God, can wake up a bum that's drunk out of his mind and sober the person up like that, and he comes to the cross and he falls at the cross and he's in his sane mind, okay, God, I got you. God says, I got your back. And so what it is, is strong friends about commitments. If your friendship lacks commitment, your friends aren't interested in making the necessary sacrifices. And they'll leave you in time. So there is hope now. There is strength through, through friendships. Lives are in the balance. 
Some of you have friends that are so, they've been with you forever. Sometimes it's okay to sever ties. And you think if I do that, like they're going to go to hell in a basket. Sometimes if you do that, somebody else comes along. See, God's not dumb. God has a plan. And every time you hold on to your habit, every time you hold on to that friend, man, I'm the only rescue. Don't lie to yourself. Sometimes it takes a sacrifice of letting go to let God find somebody else to rescue. And then he repurposes you as a friend to reach into places where you've never been before. The friend that works next to you that you never talked to before. What is reload? Oh, that's the thing we do in the mornings, you know, Brendan's breakfast. Instead of, let me tell you something, you will not want to miss Tuesday mornings. You do not want to miss the time with Jesus. Because time with Jesus is time well spent. Because he's my friend that sacrificed everything for me to be at 60 years old now, to be still doing what I'm doing, to be affecting youth lives. I'll give you this last nugget and I'm done. I just came back from Wilmington, Delaware, Chester, PA, Philadelphia, to Hershey, PA, home of chocolate, world's chocolate, Hershey, PA. A lot of kissing going on there. I had the privilege to preach my friend's, my friend's last convention as what they call the district youth director of the entire state of Pennsylvania, Delaware. 29 years, he's re- resigning, and he's going to be going on to the mission field. Would you come preach? Would you open up with the Salvation Night Thursday night? I said, oh, yeah, higher than a kite, man. I was like, oh, I've never been high in my life, man. I was like, but I get high. When I walked into the arena with 9,000 people, 9,000 with pastors and youth, and I began to preach, gave an altar call. They're saying the numbers are still coming in on the altars. Over two to 3,000 people move forward. Now wait, out of two to 3,000, about 550, almost 600 salvations. What I encouraged was, bring your friend. Come with your friend to make the decision to receive Jesus Christ into your life. And that night when I led the sinner's prayer, that thing went on for almost 45, 50 minutes. People weeping, lives changed. Why? Because God still gives favor when you're faithful. And he's the friend that I would die for. Friends are important to us. But if you don't choose wisely, you're going to be stuck in the same old trap, trying to rescue, rescue, rescue. Why? I got rid of Larry's. I did. I didn't get rid of them to like discard them. I got rid of them because of the trouble I was getting in. I didn't want to go down that path. Come on, somebody got to relate to this. Father God, this morning, you are here. This is not just my word. This isn't an opinion. Your word says that you're in the midst. Not only where two or three are gathered in the midst, but God, we brought you. Like, like I'm selfish. I brought you, Jesus. And every one of us can say that. We brought you, God. We brought you, God. Why? Because you live in us and you thrive in us and you've delivered us and you've changed us and you've, you're leading us. So, Father, today, I'm praying for friends. God, would we choose friends more wisely? Are we ready to make the things that are uncomfortable, to make the sacrifices 
to get our friends to Jesus and then release them to his kingdom. Not ours, his. And watch lives change. Father, this morning, I thank you for my friends that are here. I thank you for those that are close and even those that are like estranged a little bit. But we're calling brothers in Jesus. Brothers in Jesus, we're friends. Help us to make the right commitments, the right sacrifices, and help lead us to a place where we continue to rescue those that are valuable around us called friends. In Jesus' name, amen.